Hello and welcome to another slice of rye toast. This one is entitled 42.2 and I have my daughter Andrea to thank for it. It started on a late August day in 2007. Hey dad, what are you doing on October 14th? Over the previous few months, Andrea has walked two half marathons and now she's planning to up her game to tackle the full distance of the Toronto Marathon, and she wants to know if I want to walk with her. At first, I'm taken aback. I'm not exactly a couch potato, but neither am I particularly athletically inclined. 42.2 kilometers, 26.2 miles, two weeks before my 61st birthday, even if it is only a walk. But I only hesitate for a moment. I'm not about to pass up the offer to share the experience with her. I know from having video documented her in the Mississauga Half Marathon a few weeks earlier that it will be great fun and there are six weeks to the event so I can get in some training time. So it's enthusiastic, yes. But first I need the kit, especially proper shoes and socks. And Andrea advises me on what I need to keep hydrated and protect my skin from sunburn and my tender tootsies and other body parts from blisters. Soon enough, the big day dawns and we line up with about 1,800 other marathoners at the start line behind Mel Larsman Square in North Toronto. Including the half marathon and 5k events, the number of runners and walkers is about 7,500. It's exciting, the atmosphere is electric and the animated chatter around us increases in volume and intensity as the start time approaches. And then we hear the countdown over the loudspeakers. The front of the pack surges ahead and we trot forward with increasing speed as those in front of us get going. And finally, we follow them across the start line in full stride. The adventure has begun. Very quickly, we're on Young Street going south, soon crossing Shepherd Avenue, our voices echoing as we pass under the Highway 401 viaduct. Soon we are climbing Hogs Hollow Hill and passing the historic Miller Tavern on our left, and then it's downhill to the 5K mark and Lawrence Avenue. This and Clement's school on the right, Andrea and Kim's high school from the 1980s. It brings back fond memories of them being ferried to and fro in Madeline's instantly recognizable little yellow Honda Civic with its distinctive rust spots. One day, Madeline was rear-ended on the highway and the car was totaled. Thankfully, she was driving alone and walked away uninjured. At Eglinton, we passed the young Eglinton shopping centre, where I was once recruited to audition for the TV programme Definition. I was paired up with the actor John Shuck, who had starred alongside Rock Hudson in the TV series Macmillan and Wife, and in the movie Musical Annie. We both sucked and were eliminated in the first round. To my eternal embarrassment, Friends and workmates were coming across that episode in reruns for months to come. At Chaplin Crescent, we can hear the rumble of trains as we turn right and head west over the Davisville subway station, close to Oriel Park School, Madeline's first teaching job. We're at the 10K mark now. A little south is the route of the abandoned Beltline railway path, where 40 years earlier, Madeline and I had often cycled to breakfast at McDonald's with Kim and Andrea in kitty carriers on the backs of our bikes. That McDonald's is long gone, as is the cinema next to it, where we first saw the movie Grease. Probably one of those summer nights. 
Now we're at Avenue Road, rounding up a Canada College, and then through Forest Hill Village, and then south again on Spadina Road, past Casa Loma, Toronto's own medieval-style castle, which actually dates from only 1914. Memories here of exploring the ramparts and attending children's activities and story times in the Grand Hall. And now we're circling back to the east and descending into the ravine on Rosedale Valley Road, where we decide to take a porter potty break. As we glance back, we realise we are dead last. Following us at a respectable distance is a police car, and behind them, the long line of traffic waiting for the road to open. And they have to stop while we attend to our ablutions. The power we wield is intoxicating. Having attended to business, we continue on our way through the ravine. Above us on the left are the affluent homes of Rosedale, and high on the right are the backs of the office buildings on the north side of Bloor Street. Eventually, we emerge onto Bayview Avenue and turn right alongside the Don River to the accompaniment of the steady thrum of traffic from the Don Valley Parkway. We are close to what used to be the Victorian-era Riverdale Zoo, another family visiting spot from our early Canadian days, but the animals are long gone now. Then onto Front Street, where we pass the 21K marker, the halfway point. It's taken us over three hours, but we're on a great adventure. The weather is fine, and besides, what else would we be doing on a mid-October Sunday morning? Here's the 162-year-old St. Lawrence Market. We've spent many enjoyable hours there, browsing the Saturday food and goods stalls and antique market. And a block or two further on is the Young People's Theatre, built as stables for the horse-drawn fire trucks of the 1870s. It's where we took our kids and later our grandkids to enjoy productions such as Jacob Tutu meets the Hooded Fang, Hans Christian Andersen, The Hobbit, and To Kill a Mockingbird. As we continue west on front, crossing Young Street once again, we're in the heart of downtown, now busy with Sunday morning traffic. But traffic matters not to us, as we have the full might of the Toronto Police Department clearing the way for our crossing. We are still dead last, but we have the power to bring the mighty city to a halt. And now we're at the grand old Royal York Hotel. But my eyes are drawn to the nondescript storefronts on the opposite side of York Street. Next to the Subway Sandwich Store is the easy-to-miss tiny entrance to the Strathcona Hotel, where we spent our first night in Canada in early February 1971. I recall when in the early hours of the morning we had finally got seven-month-old Kim to sleep after the long and exhausting trip from England. I glanced out of the hotel window to see a lone yellow taxicab crawling slowly around the corner of the deserted snow-covered street and thinking, no home and no job? Oh my God, what have I done? But it all worked out fine. Now, south on York Street to Queen's Quay, where in the shadow of the CN Tower, we turn right to follow Lakeshore Boulevard, heading west past Ontario Place and the Canadian National Exhibition Grounds, each with its own fond family memories. Here's Sunnyside Beach, and across the busy Gardner Expressway on our right lies High Park, another popular early 70s visiting place for us, with its pond, playgrounds, and collection of bison, cattle, sheep, reindeer and other animals. This is one of our favourite places to visit with Kim in our first couple of years as Torontonians. 
Once, when she was about two, she lost her balance while running full tilt down a slope and slid mouth open into a pile of fallen leaves. It took us a while to remove the debris from her mouth amid sobs and protests. And speaking of mouths, we continue on to the mouth of the Humber River and turn around at the Humber Bay Bridge. 30k in, just 12 to go, and we're now retracing our steps back towards downtown. And it's on this stretch, wonder of wonders, that we finally lift ourselves from bottom spot. We catch up to a very elderly stooped gentleman who is courageously shuffling along with determined but tired legs. He is no match for us though, and we triumphantly sweep past him. A little further on, we come across a young woman who has fallen heavily and is limping to the finish with a badly bleeding leg. She assures us that she needs no assistance from us and another one is left in the dust. Approaching the 39k mark, we arrive once again at the intersection of Queen's Quay and York Street and are disappointed to discover that we have now lost our Moses-like ability to stop the sea of traffic as we cross. Because the race time limit has expired, the roads are no longer closed, the police have removed the traffic barriers, and we now have to wait for the lights to change before we can cross, just like ordinary pedestrians. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Cruelly and agonizingly, the last three kilometers are uphill, north up York Street, under the rail tracks, and Gardner Expressway, then a fork to the left onto University Avenue and past Sick Kids Hospital. Ignoring our sore feet and barely functioning legs, we struggle up to Queen's Park Circle. The finish line is in sight and beckoning. Andrea and I clasp hands and trot across the line together in a finishing time of 6 hours, 56 minutes and 13 seconds, tied for 1,745th place. And yes, we have managed to hold on to our lead over the two elderly and infirm people who come plodding in some way behind us. The race staff are in the midst of packing up, but pause to politely applaud us, and then get back to more important work. The hundreds of spectators have now dispersed, all except for two, Madeline and five-year-old Emily, who have waited patiently to the last. Literally, we fall into their arms, exhausted but jubilant. One year later, Andrea and I will again walk together in the Toronto Half Marathon. But this time, almost 200 people finish behind us. And now for the story behind the story. This slice of right toast started out as the story of my 10-year journey to running the 2017 Boston Marathon. The tale of how Andrea and I walked the 2007 Toronto event was supposed to be a preamble to that. But as I began to write it and marshal my recollections and do the supporting research, it took on a life of its own. I realized that our seven-hour odyssey was not only a great bonding experience, but also a tour of a great city that touched on so many personal family memories from our early Canadian days. So I decided it should stand alone. I'll tell the Boston story some other day. Suffice it to say that I now run most days, all year round. It keeps me physically fit and mentally alert. Some of my best thinking and decision-making happens during a run. And most of all, it makes me happy. And it all started with that call almost 15 years ago. Hey, Dad. What are you doing on October 14th? 
Thanks, Andrea. You truly changed my life. Until next time, this is Writers.